0: Amen and amen. Turn around and say hello to somebody today. Alright, thank you so much. You may be seated. And if you're a guest today, want to make sure that you get one of our packets of material. Anybody that's a first time guest and get one of our pins. It says, People Caring, Jesus Sharing. People Caring, Jesus Sharing. And that's our motto here. And uh, we are just, we're just enjoying the good things of God, and it doesn't matter what the world, the flesh, and the devil may do, we thank the Lord for what He has done for us already and is finished in us. Thank you for your faithful giving. The tithes and offerings have been coming in, and we're actually ahead of pace prior to all the COVID restrictions, so God has blessed us in that respect. Don't, don't stop. The envelopes that say Love Offering, at the top, for whom it is intended, write Zick, Z-I-C-K. And for a total of eight weeks, that'll be this week and six more, we are receiving during the months of March and April, special offering to build up the supplemental giving for Amazing Grace Mission missionaries, Bertie Zick. And uh, they are serving the Lord in fairs that may be open, but also they're going to open-air events like flea markets. They had over 80 saved last month alone. And this is an investment that is worthy. I hope that you will continue and help us with that. You did a great job on the Bible effort. Over 1,000 Bibles at $8 each. Actually, 1,067 Bibles. Praise God for your giving, for your giving. And don't let the devil ever tell you that it doesn't matter. It does Matter. You know, the fellow that was walking uh, down was observed walking down the seashore, uh, the and every now and then he'd stoop down and he'd pick up one of those starfish, throw it in the water. And of course, the, the beach was just filled with all those beached starfish. So he's just throwing them in the water, throwing them in the water. Finally, somebody came up to him and said, You know, you can't possibly. Throw all of those back. What difference does it make? And he picked one up, looked at it, threw it in, and it said, Made a difference to him. Made a difference to him. All right, those 1,067 Bibles make a difference to those 1,067 families and individuals and churches, in some cases, pastors and full time Christian workers, in some cases, new believers, but third world country people that wouldn't ever be able to afford them. So thank you for your faithful. Faithful, faithful giving. Amen. Amen. On the way out today, there's some things to, to see and to pick up. And we've got, you can take a handful of these. These are, are little uh, folders and they say St. Patrick was a Baptist. I know that comes as a shock when people read that. And it's written in red uh, because what's been told about Patrick and what's done in Patrick's name this coming Wednesday and, and at other times really doesn't do justice to the man who is a great Bible-believing, soul-winning missionary. And I want you to get a copy and read it, and then get yourself a handful, and everybody who is named oh uh, Ohio, oh oh something. Okay? Oh something. Alright, I want you to give all your Irish friends one of these and just say, isn't it great what God provided such a special missionary as Patrick? And they're going to think, what? But let them, let them read it. And the back has the plan of salvation. Don't start a fight over it. Don't do that. Hey, we are marching back to Central Baptist Church in the month of March. That is our emphasis. And coming up on April the 4th, three weeks out, is Resurrection Sunday or what the world calls Easter. I would like you to do your best to lovingly invite everybody back. We'd like to invite everybody to come on back. It's, hey, listen, it's sanitized every week. People are are doing wonderfully well here. I hope that you'll come on back and be part of what's going on. Also, out there on the, uh, on the Welcome Center, as you go out, we have our little forums for those who have or will view the, the Bible Institute sessions online. Very easy. Just go to our site in 1501, 1502, 1503. It's 1501 through 1506. Yesterday, we did 1506. If you just view it, they run two to three hours each. And if you view it, then print. Like kindergarten, first grade, print neatly. Your name as you want it to appear on your certificate last year. Over 50 here and around the world completed the course. And we would like to have uh, even more. So I invite you. If you haven't started, it's not too late. You can start right now. You can go ahead and, and view what's on the Bible Institute Sessions 1501 through 1506. Don't miss it. Also on the Visitor Center, as you go out, we have the chronology. We have a chart, the day of the crucifixion and triumphal entry to resurrection um, uh, chronology. And this shows the difference at the top between Gentile days, which go midnight to midnight, and Jewish days, which are measured starting at sundown going to the next sundown. You know, that, that's the way it works. And as such, Jesus Christ did not die on Friday. The Bible says, As Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Not parts of three days, but three days and three nights. Seventy-two hours. Uh, he observed the Lord's Supper with His disciples after dark on two, our Tuesday night, which would be the beginning of day. That would be when He was crucified. He was crucified on Wednesday, taken down before dark on Wednesday, placed in the borrowed tomb uh, on that evening and spent three days and three nights. You say, I didn't know that. Well, now you do. These are free. Take them. Don't argue with people. This is an opportunity for you to share Jesus with people. We want people to come to Christ and to be saved. All right. It is, as it says on the bulletin, time for us to possess our possessions. We have... Victory in Jesus. Did you enjoy singing Victory in Jesus to begin the service? We do that every few months and the reason we do that is because it's such a great song and those of you that are online when I finish preaching and I come to my invitation here that I do live in the auditorium, it breaks away to a recorded invitation and so you're not part of us uh, here when we finish up we take care of some post-liminaries and so forth and do some things But you never get to hear victory in Jesus unless it's one of those times that we especially schedule it. And we have especially scheduled it today at the beginning of the service. I heard an old, old story about a Savior who came from glory. He gave His life on Calvary to save a wretch, a sinner, an old sinner like me. And we heard about His blood and so forth. We heard about His healing. We've heard about the mansion He's prepared for us up in heaven, up in glory. I can't wait to go. How about you? Amen. We've got our Bibles today. And would you do this with me quickly? Would you take your Bible and hold it up for just a moment? That's a precious, actually a priceless possession. Do you read it during the week? Do you read it each day? Amen. If you you believe it, say it after me. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe there are no mistakes in it. And God helping me, I'm going to try to obey it. Amen. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. On the front of your bulletin, it says it's time to possess our spiritual possessions. And we have a... uh, a drawing of what it must have looked like for Joshua and those those Israelites to circle what was a very powerful uh, city of Jericho and uh, and then on the appointed time to shout aloud and to blow the ram's horns, as you see them doing in that picture, and the walls come tumbling down. Now I see to the left and to the right I see some little tiny soldiers or individuals falling with the walls falling, but right in the middle of that background where everything is chaotic and falling down, I see something very unusual. How many of you see what I see? How many of you see that in the middle? Okay, 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 so what do we see in the middle there? Right, there's a cord coming out of a window on top of what was the wall. The rest of the walls are falling down. And who can tell me who lives where that cord is? Who lives in that part of the wall that's not falling down? Rahab. Rahab and her family. And they had gotten a visit previously from two people. What, what, What kind of people were the two that were there visiting? Spies. And they were from what group of people? The Israelites. And what did she do that, uh, that was a good thing? She hid them. That's right. And Rahab, I want to be careful because I know we have a mixed crowd. We've got young ones here. But Rahab, as part of her living, who she was, she is known as Rahab the harlot. She was a prostitute. She didn't come from the upper crust of society, did she? she? She was from a rough part of society. But there she is and her family, and they are spared from the destruction of Jericho because she trusted and obeyed. She believed what God said was going to happen, and she trusted Not in her own pagan gods of her people, but she trusted in the one true God of the Bible. What a lesson. I don't know where you come from, what your background is, and I'm so glad for your upbringing and I'm glad for good things in your life. But if your parents didn't raise you to believe in the the Bible and the Jesus Christ of the Bible Well, don't go to hell because they didn't teach you. Instead, listen to what this message has to say and get saved the Bible way. When we talk about getting saved, that is a Bible term. We believe when a person gets saved, now don't freak out when I say this, I believe a person gets radically saved from the inside out. If any man be in Christ, he is a what? A new creature. All right. Somebody over there among the Hispanic population, tell me, how do you say new creature in Espanol? Say it again, good and loud. Amen. Do you believe it in Spanish? Yes. Do you believe it in English? Yes. yes. Is it absolutely true? Yes. yes. You know why it's true? Because it happened to me. I don't know what language it I think it happened in English, but I'm not sure. All right. It happened to me. I got saved, radically saved from the inside out. I got born again. Jesus Christ came in my heart. Virginia, He made me a brand new creature. You know what, I'm a very likable guy, at least compared to what I would have been if I hadn't gotten saved. And you say, oh, oh preacher, you know, we like you. Well thank you for that charitable thought. But you would not have liked me as much if I hadn't gotten saved. Because when God saves you, He saves you from the inside out. He makes you brand new. He doesn't just add Jesus to the mix. But He makes you brand new. You're brand new, Sam. You're a new creature. You're brand new. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new, Tony. All things are brand new. They're all brand new. we got a clean slate. We don't have to keep working on our slate He cleaned our slate for us. Amen. 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 And beyond that, we have spiritual possessions which are so very important. When we think about them walking around that city, I want you to go back to Joshua chapter 6 with me. So we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. So that's book number 6 in order. And to the 6th, Chapter and the verse that's there is verse 16. And it came to pass at the seventh time, seventh time, what all right? That's the seventh time that day when the priests blew with the trumpets. Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for here it is, the Lord hath given you the city. Can't be much plainer than that. That's it. Joshua was following the instructions that he was given by God Himself. is a godly leader. If we're looking for teachings and types and lessons in Joshua, remember this. That Joshua is a type of the godly leader. is a type of our Savior Jesus Christ. In fact, Joshua in Hebrew, Yeshua, or Yeshua, is Jesus in the New Testament. Same, same name. Same name. Did you know that? Same name. Alright, now what is happening In Joshua chapter 6, well, these same people and the descendants of those people that had come come out of Egypt back in Exodus, remember on the Passover they came out of Egypt and they traveled down the the west bank of um, of the Red Sea and Pharaoh had a change of mind and came after him with his chariots and with his army. And God opened up the waters and they walked across dry shod. Not even mud on their sandals. Got to the other side and, and uh, God lifted the cloud, the, the barrier. And Pharaoh, angry, he spurs his horse on and, and uh, the chariot pulls off into that, that open area and all of the other chariots and they get out there and, and Moses drops the rod like that and the waters come down. And they have found chariot wheels at that spot. So God's people were saved and, and Pharaoh's army was drowned. What a contrast. God's people then traveled into the wilderness when they came to the edge of the land, uh, instead of believing the, the two voices of Caleb and Joshua who said, "God, God, it's difficult, but God will give us the victory." Now listen to the 10 whose names you don't even remember who said, no, we can't possibly do this. This is more than we can handle. And so God said, that's it. And so for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness until they came back. Most of that crowd from 20 years of age had died. The only ones that did not die during that time were Joshua and Caleb. They were now advanced in age. And Joshua becomes the military leader. They cross over Jordan. Once again, God works a miracle. They cross dry shod. They, they raise stones as a memorial, a remembrance of, of a God that can open up water, a God who can do miracles. That's my God. That's our God. He can do miracles. I don't know what you need in your life today, but He's a God of miracles. He can heal. He can repair. He can restore. He can fix what needs to be fixed. Just give it to Him. Let Him have it. And They're coming up now to the place where they're going to have to see if God's going to keep His word through the battles that they're going to fight. And God gives a most unusual, I mean, a most unusual set of instructions to them. God had said back in Joshua chapter 1, please turn there, Joshua chapter 1, And verse number eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good, what? Success. The only place in the English Bible we find the word success is in conjunction with Bible living. Have have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. We have the conditions of success given to us here in the very first chapter. We understand what God's purpose and His promise and His presence and power and program and precepts all mean. That's a lot of alliteration, but that's it. That's exactly it. The reason we understand is because God gave us a book and He wrote it through holy men of of old. And every word in it is true. And it is preserved. And it is right. And it's up to us to read it, take it in, and believe it, and stand upon it, and act upon it. And aren't you glad that we can do that? He gives us the wherewithal. He gives us the grace to do that. And He wants us to possess our spiritual possessions over in Joshua chapter 3, before we even get to Joshua 6, Joshua chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3, and please notice what the Lord says with respect to going across this river, Jordan, and what's going to happen as they cross that river, and what Principle is going to be theirs to experience as they cross. Okay? Please notice. Verse <coughs> number nine. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will wi- without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. Now therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the Ark of the Lord, uh, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan." And that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon and heap. And it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And they came, and as they that bear the Ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the Ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above, stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city, Adam, that is beside Zaretan. And those that came down toward the Sea of the Plain, even the Salt Sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Dry ground, just like the Red Sea. God can do it, God can do it again. God can do it on any scale that needs to be done. So whatever you need, you need something big, You say, yeah, I I need this big amount of money. I need this big piece of property. I need this big thing, this big item, whatever it is. Maybe you need something small. You can have a small little surgery or some small little thing that's that's a problem in your physical being or maybe some small thing in your life. God can take care of it. He's got it all handled. He knows exactly what size it's got to be. He knows how to fix it. We recognize His presence. And the Ark of the Covenant typifies His presence. We follow His leading. We follow His Word. We, we die to a self-willed way of living. Crossing over Jordan is typical of dying to making our own decisions and saying, yes, Lord, yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Think about it. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do today and tomorrow and next week and next year until He takes me home. And they must have been looking forward to what God was going to do in giving them blessings, spiritual blessings. I've written in the bulletin the words of W. Graham Scroge. Before the land of Canaan could be possessed by the Israelites, it had to be conquered. And before it could be conquered, it had to be entered. And could anything be stranger than what the Lord told Joshua, who told the people to do? They were to line up and walk silently once around the entire city. Can you imagine the the amazed people staring at them from the walls? One time around, one day. That's it for the day. One time around on the second day. One time around on the third day. One time around on the fourth day. One time around on the fifth day. What if they'd gotten tired and they quit? Kind of like, what happens if Naaman doesn't take all those dips in that muddy water? What happens? Nothing happens unless we trust and obey. Trust and obey. Round on the fifth day, once. Round on the sixth day, once. Bah! But on the seventh day. Seven times around. When they get around, having completed the seventh time, look at the front of your bulletin. That's what happened. And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priest blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout! For the Lord hath given you the city. And they shouted, and the walls came down. That's what my God can do. But most people don't know what God can do. Or they've never experienced what God can do. We've been in the book of Ephesians on Wednesday nights, and for months and months we've been seeing what God has said to the church at Ephesus, a group of believers who are indescribably rich in Jesus Christ, but they're living on the spiritual level a beggarly existence because they are ignorant of their spiritual wealth. How about you? How about you, believer? How about you? Do you, know, do you know your privileges? Do you know your responsibilities? Do you know that God will never, ever require of you what He doesn't provide for? He does. He absolutely does. And as we read through Ephesians and then go back to Joshua and we compare the Scriptures back and forth, there are so many types and symbols and similarities but those books really need to be studied together. The theme of Joshua is the possession of the promised land and the enjoyment of those blessings through obedient faith, trust and obey. Theologically, we learn this, that victory and blessing come through obedience and trust. Active faith is just that. You're never going to have those special Blessings from God. Dear friend, here and those of you that are viewing out there, you're never going to have all the possessions spiritually that God wants you to have unless you take Him at His word. We've got to do that. While there are no Messianic prophecies, we see the Messiah Jesus in the life and the person of Joshua. We see how He led, how He spoke, what He did. They trusted Joshua... We trust Jesus. Those first five chapters leading up to chapter 6 are getting them ready for what's going to happen in chapter 6. Rahab has been obedient. She is about to be spared. Let me tell you how far the blessings extend to Rahab and her family. They didn't die like everybody else in Jericho. They not only did not die, they got to go and truck along with all the rest of the Israelites. They got to become part of this great thing that God was doing. Let me tell you something else. She became the wife of a noble man. And she became the ancestress in the flesh of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Well, you'd think the Lord would have some scruples about that thing. You know who the Lord's looking for? Save sinners. Save sinners. Any saved sinners out there? Amen. He's looking for you. That's it. Marching around for six days might have seemed silly, but on the seventh day it all came to fruition and we must be patient and wait on the Lord and see what God's going to do. I read the Old Testament and I've, Come to understand when Jesus was teaching in Luke chapter 24, those that He was walking along with on the road to Emmaus, He was showing how He Himself should have to live and suffer and die so that people could be saved. And He's teaching that. Do you know that we see the face of Jesus? We see the description of our Savior Jesus Christ throughout the Old Testament. The theme of the entire Bible is blood, redemption, Blood redemption, the bloodshed of Jesus Christ uh, for for your redemption and mine, for your salvation, The, the, the process is substitution. He takes our place. So when I look in the Old Testament, somebody has written, I find my Lord in the Bible. Wherever I chance to look, He is the theme of the Bible, the center and heart of the book. He is the rose of Sharon. He's the lily fair. Wherever I open my Bible, the Lord of the book is there. He at the book's beginning gave to the earth its form. He is the ark of shelter bearing the brunt of the storm, the burning bush of the desert, the budding of Aaron's rod. Wherever I look in the Bible, I see the Son of God, the ram upon Mount Moriah, the ladder from earth to sky, the scarlet cord in the window, amen, and the serpent lifted high, the smitten rock in the desert, the shepherd with staff and crook, the face of my Lord I discover wherever I open the book. He is the seed of the woman, the Savior, virgin born. He is the son of David, whom men rejected with scorn. His garments of grace and beauty, the stately Aaron deck. Yet he is a priest forever, for he is Melchizedek. Lord of eternal glory, whom John the apostle saw. Light of the golden city, lamb without spot or flaw. Bridegroom coming at midnight, for whom the virgins look. Wherever I open my Bible, I find my Lord in the book. Amen. That almost sings. I don't need earthly riches. Now in the Old Testament economy, there's a lot about prosperity and connecting hard work and diligence to doing as well as you can. And God never said, don't do as well as you can. But He did say, labor not for the meat that perisheth. In other words, that should be your goal in life. It shouldn't be to see how much you can accumulate. That's the world's way. That's the way the princes of the Gentiles operate. That's not how, how born-again believers operate. Our goal is to be all that God wants us to be for the glory of God, and if we can give it away, give it away. Man, everybody is getting taken, and because there are so many scams. I'm not even going to start in on gambling today, but sometime I could preach for a week on the sin of gambling and how people take risks and aren't wise about what God has given them. If ever for some, some reason I, I'm I'm able to say that, you know, I, I got this windfall of wealth I didn't do anything for, praise the Lord, but it won't be by gambling. Because when you gamble, listen, a whole lot of people got to lose for you to get rich. Whole lot of people got to be taken advantage of because that's not gonna happen otherwise. Got another one of these in the mail this week, sweetheart. I tell you what. It's kind of like when you used to get the envelope and said, you may have already won a million dollars. This is one that they play all the time, big, big big-time scam. It's got an imaginary uh, legal office at the top. Dear Brad Winninger, my name is blank. I'm an attorney and name partner at blank-and-blank law office. It may surprise you to receive this letter. No, we get them all the time. Since there has been no previous correspondence between us, There is an unclaimed permanent life insurance policy held by our deceased client. The transaction pertains to an unclaimed transferable on death savings monetary deposit in the sum of $11,550,100. I am so excited. We're rich, sweetheart. Because some guy by the name of Dr. Charles Winnegar died. happens to have my last name. So I'm going to get the $11.5 million. Think about that. No, don't get too excited yet. Don't throw the party yet. I looked it up. There was a Charles Winnegar. But he died in 1969. He was a prominent member of those guys out on the West Coast, Seventh-day Adventists, Loma Linda. And he left a huge amount of money so that every year a grant could be given to somebody in some related field. But he's no kin of mine. And this is a scam. What they want me to do is send my bank information. And if I send him my bank information, then he says, all I got to do is split 50-50 with him. Right. There's always something too good to be true, isn't there? And it's out there because there is built into each and every one of us a, a desire to do the very best that we can. And when that goes to seed, we become the next mark. And I want to help you right now to know that the emphasis of the Bible is not upon material goods. Every good gift and every perfect gift does come down from God. That's true. And we give him the credit and the and the benefit of that. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Philippians 4:19, write it down. We're told to be content in 1st Timothy chapter 6. In fact, it was Friday night. We were having family devotions with the kids and grandkids. And that subject came up in our little uh, reading and, and the Bible that went along with the little reading. And a lot of people are not content. They haven't learned to be there with content, with food, raiment, and so forth, to be content. My God supplies all of my need. And we need to seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Given it shall be given you. Unto you. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't live. uh, Paul says to Timothy, charge those who will be rich, who have that. That's their will, that's their desire to be rich. And I got to say, from the people that I have known in this world that had a little bit more than the typical person, riches do not bring stability, peace of mind, righteousness. Lasting joy. Say, well, i sure like to try anyway. No, no. When I was just a boy, and I was in mid-elementary school, I made friends with another kid. Had no idea how wealthy his parents were. And I got to go to his house one day. You know who designed his house? The firm of, does this name strike a bell? Frank Lloyd Wright, one of those California houses, and so I was introduced to earthly wealth. I looked at that house, and I said, you need a map for in here, and you did, it was beautiful. That house was only a few years old. and. He was, he was a friendly kid, didn't act like he was somebody special. He was rich. His dad was rich anyway. And one time, they wanted me to go out to eat with them. And we went to a place my parents never could afford to go. I sat there at the table, and I was just as mute as a stone. I couldn't say, or I didn't know what was going on. And... and the dad saw that I was nervous, and he looked over and said, you order anything you want to. I didn't know he was a great big tease. And so we ordered, and then the meal I ordered was a lot of money for those days. But, I mean, he said, order anything you want to, and I just kind of followed their lead. And then he turned around and looked at me and said, I see that you ordered the such-and-so, and, so, and that's so, such-and-so on the menu. That's how much it is. So you're going to stay and wash dishes after the meal is over to pay for your meal. And my lips started to quiver. He says, no, I'm just kidding. But for the rest of the meal, I didn't know whether to breathe, whether to move, or whatever. But he had a good sense of humor. Very, very rich. Very rich. I I met a rich man in South Carolina. Walked into his office uh, to talk to him about a matter, and my shoes disappeared in the carpet. It was that plush. Met a rich man in the Philippines, after I had preached there in the largest venue in Manila, the PICC, and after preaching there, he asked for us to come out. And so <clears throat> by armed escort, we went out into the province where he lived. Uh, his entire house and everything with his house were up on, uh, up on stakes, uh, out over the water, and uh, there, was, uh, there was an armed detachment there and not too many miles away, the military, because of the insurgency that was going on, and I sat down to eat, and I've told you about that, big raw fish, and, and um, of course when you're on a missionary trip, you just, you know, you do what they say, and he uh, said, you go first, and I would say, no, you go first, but I didn't do that, and so I started to reach for the fish, and all we had was our hands, we reached for the fish, and they grabbed my hand and said, no, take it from the face, that's the best place, and so, anyway, you just you do what you're told to do. But a rich man, just so rich, he had a stainless steel jeepney. It was armor-plated and um, very, very wealthy. Uh, I've got to say, of all the rich people I've ever met and known had anything to do with, I have discovered that their riches didn't have anything to do with their joy or their happiness. They didn't have anything to do with their stability whatsoever. Not at all. We need to learn to be content. Ole Lundström wrote a song, A Rich Man Am I, I Found the Lord, A Rich Man Am I, Doug Oldham recorded it. Uh, I I remember remember hearing that song. My mom used to play on the keyboard beautifully, and uh, John W. Peterson uh, wrote a song, How Rich Am I Since Jesus Came My Way, and she would play that and run arpeggios up and down uh, the uh, keyboard. Beautiful. I remember the Abante brothers from the Philippines standing up and singing together, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. My father is rich in houses and land, and I'm his heir. Great song, great song. Because you see, our riches in Jesus Christ, spiritual possessions, are far more valuable than any riches we might find in this world. I just want to share this with you so that you might understand what your spiritual possessions are. And perhaps you have done as some, not realizing that there's a great amount in your spiritual bank account. You've never drawn upon it. Here it is, first and foremost. Our first and most obvious possession when we get saved is the earnest or the down payment of the Holy Spirit. We read about this in Second Corinthians chapters 1 and 4. In Ephesians chapter 1. We read about the earnest of the Spirit. The word earnest is Erebon in the Greek. It means money or pledge or down payment. Uh, It it is before. It is the foretaste of that which will follow later on. We have a down payment on heaven. And that down payment on heaven is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He's the one who made us feel bad and convicted about our sin. He's the one that drew us To salvation. He is the one that when we were receiving Christ. He regenerated us and made us brand new. He is the one who indwells us and never leaves us. Nor forsakes us. He is the one when we call upon him. He'll fill us and he'll direct us and guide us in our life. But many people who are saved have never fully experienced this blessing. They never possessed the possession of the Holy Spirit who is within. Number two, there is our assurance of salvation, our confidence. In 1 John chapter 5 and verses 11, 12, and 13. These things have I written unto you that ye may know, K-N-O-W. Knowing that we're saved gives us great confidence. Knowing who we are in Christ. I am God's child. I've, I've been bought with a price. I belong to Him. God loves me. I'm His chosen one knowing who we are, naming that over and over and over again, gives us great confidence. In the first church, even though they faced great physical uh, uh, obstacles, they had holy boldness, the Bible teaches us. Number three, spiritual possession. Illumination in the Word of God. You know that the Bible was written by God. You know that the Bible was given to us so that we might know And we might experience the blessings of God. And yet there are people who don't open up their Bible to read it. When we read it and we pray, we say, open up my heart, open my eyes, Lord. That's illumination. You see, inspiration is God breathing it. Revelation is the revealing, the unfolding of it. Illumination is when the Holy Spirit says, see what this means. And we get the, oh, I get it, experience then the most important thing after that is application. We're going to do it. We're going to do what He says. So I know the Bible is obviously inspired. I know that it's preserved. I know that it is the revealed Word of God. I know that. But do I open up myself for the illumination of the Word of God? Do I pick it up? Do I read it? Do I claim it? Do I apply it? Do I I love it? Do I live it? Do I teach it to others? Do I share it with others? We're missing those possessions. A dynamic prayer life. The only difference between your prayer life, which may not be dynamic, and somebody's who is dynamic, is that we have not allowed the Lord to completely have that part of our life. A dynamic prayer life is a prayer life that prays according to the prescription of the word of god believing god believing that god can and will do it and calling upon him to do it and reminding him of his promises that's it that's it's very simple we pray with importunity we pray in faith believing we pray according to the will which is in the word of god that's a dynamic prayer life and we can partner with two or three others and we can share what those prayer requests are and then pray diligently, pray without ceasing, don't stop praying, and we can watch God answer prayer. Spiritual possessions. The Holy Spirit who's within. Assurance of salvation, holy boldness and confidence. Illumination in the Word of God. A dynamic prayer life. And then service for the Lord. You say, I just don't know if I could do it. If God can do all the rest, God can work through us. We just need to put ourselves out there. Every one of us is on the receiving end of a spiritual gift or gifts that have been imparted by the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. We need to discover it and develop it in and through the service of the Lord in the local church, side by side with other believers, cooperating with them, with brothers and sisters in Christ, to the glory of God and not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's why, as I said last week, we're marching to Central Baptist Church in March. You thought I was going to talk about possessions like the name it and claim it crowd that stands up and says, if you can envision it, if you can just imagine it, you can claim it. And and it's kind of like you take a requisition, you know, and you hand that requisition to God with everything that you absolutely want in your flesh and God's going to sign it. And He's got to sign it. And here's what they say. He's got to sign it because you're a child of God. Well, I got a question for you. How many of you have kids? How many of you sign off on every stupid thing your kid's request. Thank you. Do you think God is dumber than we are? No. Not at all. Do you think God is going to sign off on everybody's request just because we're His son or daughter? No. No. He'll give us what's good for us. Sometimes He'll permit us something to teach us a lesson. But you know what? We are learning, aren't we? Not to ask for everything that we think of. Not to ask for everything that we desire. In our flesh, everything that we saw somebody else got. We don't do that. That's not how God works. You read the Word of God. You get into the Word of God until the Word of God gets into you. And then when you're full up with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is working through you and you're experiencing a dynamic prayer life, when you call on the Lord and you say, Lord, I need such and so, the Holy Spirit says, ah, nah, nah, you don't need that. You don't want that. That's not for you. you say, well, how cruel. That God would deny us something. I thank God for what He provides. I thank God for what He denies. And that's the way we need to be in the Word and in the will of God and be content and not get swept away by a bunch of folks on television or the radio and some off-the-wall ministry where they say, just name it and claim it. God's just going to give it to you. He's just going to fill it in. Sign His name. No, He isn't. No, He isn't. Because He loves us too much for that. But I do want to say there are spiritual possessions and blessings that we have not experienced because we are either ignorant of them or we have not stepped out in faith. I want to have working in and through me every blessing that God can use to touch the lives of others and make a difference. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Please, nobody looking. And how many of you today would say, Preacher, something in that message spoke to my heart. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Amen. We're going to be in the Word. Amen. We're going to be praying more. Amen. We're going to be listening to the Holy Spirit as He guides and directs. And and, uh, amen. We want to do that. We want to be used by God. Touch the lives of others. Now you have a gift, a spiritual gift or gifts that the Holy Spirit's given you. You need to pray and ask the Lord to reveal to you what that is and then develop that and use that to serve the Lord through the local church. Right now with heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would say, Preacher, I can look back on my life. I can remember a time when I prayed and I said, Lord Jesus, come in my heart and save me. And you truly meant it. And you asked Him to save you from your sins, past, present and future. You can remember that time. Would you slip your hand up? I can remember that. Amen. I can remember that. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's good. Put your hands down. I wonder how many today have not yet done that. And you'd be willing right now to call on the name of the Lord. Would you pray from your heart right now something like this? Dear God, just pray from your heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer just now and you meant it, would you slip your hand up high so I can see it?
1: Once I drifted out in sin